Captain's Log, Stardate 744-31.3 Having prepared for the annual festival aboard the station, Lieutenant Commander Eric and I find ourselves revisiting the history of Starfleet. Meanwhile, Lieutenant Commander David and Lieutenant Pollock are on a away mission, having taken the Vigilant on an excursion to the Beta Quadrant for a joint mission with the Klingon Empire. This episode of These Are the Voyages is dedicated to James Tiberius Kirk. All right, welcome to another episode of These Are the Voyages. I'm the captain, I'm Captain Chase McKinney, and you know, it's crazy, but believe it or not, I have my first officer here with me. I know, I know there's this illusion, you know, that he's always with me, but no, he is like legit with me right now here on the station or wherever the heck we're beaming off to. So, um, Commander Eric, welcome, welcome, welcome. It's good seeing you in the flesh again. It is good seeing you. It has been, I, you know, I see you every time we record this, but instead of being over the internet, we're literally across the table. It's it's weird. It's weird, yeah. Like <laughs> this is I mean, we haven't been like together in the same room like this for like ten years probably. At least ten At years. At least ten yeah. years. Yeah, it's it's been a minute and um it's weird because like for for patrons, like you're seeing the recording of this, but like I'm like looking up over the camera. Yeah, yeah. To talk to you. Yeah, I don't wanna look at the screen when I talk. I wanna look at you because <laughs> yeah. you're right there. So um, anyways, for y'all that are patrons that are watching these these video editions uh, of the podcast, thank you. Um, but yeah, like Eric, I, I, I teased this um, a couple weeks back, maybe almost a month ago, because you had asked me. You're like, "Hey, I don't want to impose or anything, but I'm gonna be I'm gonna be coming to to Texas. Can I stop in and maybe spend the night?" I'm like, "Yeah." Yeah, well, I mean, this isn't like back in high school where you just show up at someone's house. Like, I feel like, you know, you got a wife and kid. I have to ask, hey, is it okay if I come over? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and um, so you, at the time of this recording, you've been here, you know, like not even a day. Um, You drove all day from Missouri, where you live, and uh, all the way down here to um, to Lone Star Station here in Azle, and uh, had your, brought your cat with you. So I did. Major Kira. Major Kira, man. You need to get like a like a Bajoran militia like collar or cat tag or something. Or or put like an earring on her. Yeah. Yeah. Do like an ear cuff. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be something. That'd be something. My cat would hate me. Probably. Like the those razor blades on its fingers that we talk about. Mm -hmm. One of those might just (laughs) while I sleep across the neck. Here's a fluff. What were you saying? Like here's a here's a cuddly little thing with razor blades. Yeah, it's like God said, let's make a cute cuddly creature to be your friend. And the human was like, yeah. Then God's like, but let's put razor blades on all of its fingers. Like whoa, <laughs> whoa there. <laughs> I've been clawed a couple times uh, by cats, but um, not I'm, by I, my cat. Not by your cat, no. But just by cats in general. And it's not a fun feeling no, at all. It's not. They are vicious when they. Would you rather, okay, well, I don't know if I want to, actually, I'm going to have this conversation right now. So if this might be a trigger warning for some of y'all, like with dogs and cats and stuff, but would you rather be clawed 
by a cat or bitten by a dog? That's a tough question. I would probably say bitten by a dog because, like, I've been scratched by a cat lots of times, and that hurts. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, getting scratched by a dog is no big deal because they don't have, like, right. claws, really. Yeah. But I've never really been bitten by a dog before, so I don't know. Yeah. Like, it depends, probably depends on the type of dog, right? Probably. If it's, like, a little poodle or chihuahua or something, I probably wouldn't care, but if it's, like a big pit bull or something right that would make a difference total difference total difference yeah oh man well it's it's good to have you here um after after we record this you know i mean we're doing it right now but after we do this um eric and i are gonna go hit the town and be a bunch of wild bachelors so to speak we're gonna go look at cows maybe and go to like a toy store and whatever else eric wants to do uh today and then Come home and be boring and watch something, and then, yeah. Welcome to life in your 30s. Man, you know, I, so I was telling you um, last night, you know you're an adult when you get excited about, like, vacuum cleaners that do, like, really cool things. Like, they pick up, like, hair and dirt, like, that much easier. You know we're in our 30s, because I, I got super excited because we just bought a new vacuum cleaner last weekend. Yeah, and with part of my stimulus money earlier this year, I bought a, helped buy a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, here we are. Um, we're going to, um, like I said, we're going to go have some fun later on. But first, uh, we're going to have some fun now, maybe. Um, and we're going to talk about um, a legendary captain. And we've done something like this before um, as we were preparing for um, Star Trek Picard, the first season earlier this year. And... Here on the podcast, I feel like we've been talking about Kirk a lot. Um, maybe mainly with David and I doing like the books and stuff, and even you and I, um, like earlier this mo- or earlier this month or last month, when we were talking about um, even generations. So Kirk's kind of been there. You can't talk Star Trek without talking Kirk. Yeah, but even if we've been talking a little bit about him, I feel like on this podcast we focus more on like the TOS era. I don't think we've really, or not the TOS era, I've, like, we haven't focused on the TOS era yeah. is what I meant to say. We, sure. We spent a lot more time focused on, like, the TNG era. We yeah. We talked a lot about, you know, Next Generation and, and then, obviously, Star Trek Picard, and mm-hmm. now we're going back and we're talking a lot about Discovery recently, so but it's nice to actually go back and talk about where it all began and, mm-hmm. and what has made Star Trek be such, like, a great thing that we care about 50-some-odd years later. Yeah. And... When when this podcast first started, we did, um, uh, I did an episode on like the early days of Star Trek. Very, it was very brief. It was like survey information, talking a little about Gene Roddenberry and his history as a as a writer, as a producer, and then trying to to shop his his story around to the different studios and. Um, Lucille Ball being the one that ultimately picked it up. So I think that's like episode one or two so like way in the way back machine like a year plus ago so if you want to to hear some information about that i'd encourage you especially if you're just starting out listening or if you've never had any exposure to star trek so yeah it's interesting if you you watch all the way through the credits of any tos episode it'll say like desilu productions all the way at the end and i always think that's that's incredibly strange that you know i love lucy had like a big part in star trek making star trek even possible yeah yeah pretty 
pretty crazy that that's that that's the thing so oh well let's um let's get into this um we're, we're definitely going to talk about kirk um today so when eric when you and i like i said when you and i did this we did a a best of picard and we did an essential picard and that took us a minute to get through uh that was probably one of the longer episodes that we've done and i and I don't know if we need to go into all that all over again. Like we need to rehash that that kind of breakdown all over again. Um, I think there could be kind of like a maybe a happy medium between best essential, just kind of like maybe not best, maybe not essential, but just maybe something that's like I really like this, and I think that this really speaks to Kirk. Yeah, and I think I think definitely some of the episodes that I'm going to talk about are probably episodes that other people might not might not think of but I just pick them because I just really like these episodes and they're just things to me that I enjoy okay. and that I think other people should really like take a closer look at that maybe they haven't before sure and so yeah we're, we're going to be focusing on storylines like however you want to tee that up we're going to be focusing on, on storylines that make Kirk who he is James T. Kirk who he is and, um, and you know, you in listener land, you might have like your own set of stuff that's like, yep, this, not that, or all this or all that. Um, and of course we're going to invite you to, you know, tell us about that, uh, you know, at the end of this program. So, um, I know some of the stuff's going to be in chronological order. Most of it will probably be in chronological order. Others, not so much. So, um, Eric and I. Um, have not talked about each other's lists. I know Eric has a list for everything. He's got a spreadsheet for everything. Yeah, it's what I do. I mean, I was making cinnamon rolls this morning, and I was like coming up with um, like what mine were going to be to talk about today. So um, yeah, but I also did a, a complete rewatch of all Star Trek over the summer. So like it's it's been fresh in my mind, and I and I made these lists as I was doing sure. the rewatch. So it was like a little bit easier than just. Oh crap! Like I got ten minutes before we record. Let me come up with a list. <laughs> well, okay. And for the record, I have been thinking about this for sure, more yeah, than ten yeah, minutes. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. But he just wrote it down ten minutes ago. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess with that, we should um, probably get into um, talking a little bit about James T. Kirk. So um, let's talk about the dude. Yes. Are you feeling inspired right now? Wait for it. It's going to get like really cheesy here in a second. Maybe. Choir? That lady who's like, Yeah. Season one also only has um, William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy in the opening. Season season mm-hmm. two adds when it adds uh, DeForest Kelly. I was uh, so I was watching um, just one thing about DeForest Kelly. I was watching a, um, a documentary about him not too terribly long ago, and one of his greatest achievements was getting this like cowboy award. Like yeah, because yeah, he was like such a western guy. Like he just wanted 
like he loved being an outdoor cowboy kind of thing. And it was like a rodeo association or a cowboy association. And he held that award in like higher regard than any other like acting award that he ever got. Wow, you don't really think of DeForest Kelly as being like a Western guy. He's like he's got his Southern charm. Right. Right. All right. Well, just just a little bit about uh, James T. Kirk, bringing it back. So James Tiberius Kirk, that's the dude's name, played by uh, Bill Shatner, William Shatner, uh, lived during the 23rd century, born in Iowa. So Iowa boy. And um, and according to memory alpha, at least, he's one of the most famous and highly decorated um, officers in Starfleet, in the history of Starfleet, actually. And um, what was he? Is he the was he the third or the fourth person to command the Enterprise? The 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 1701 Enterprise, the MCC 1701. I would say the third because if you go back to the original the the animated series, you have Robert April, mm-hmm. and then you have uh, Captain Pike after that. I kind of swore there was someone else that was the captain before even April or in between April. But hey, it's, it it is what it is. Um, okay. So let's let's talk a little bit about these episodes, um, these stories of of Star Trek um, about Kirk. So um, I'll kind of lead us off on this one, I guess. I'm gonna probably guess that this might be the same thing, uh, but I'm going with uh, where no man has gone before. Okay, I actually actually I understand why you put that here, but I actually don't have that on my list of essential Kirk episodes. Okay. So why don't you tell me about? where no man has gone before. I think part of it has to do with um, it's the story where we f- we're first really meeting the dude and you gotta you gotta have an origin story. So, But is, is this episode an origin story? Like, it's, if you think of Encounter at Farpoint or Emissary or Caretaker or even Broken Bow, like, those are origin stories where our crew comes together and we're starting out on our journey but I don't really feel that way about where no man has gone before. It's not like, okay, this is the start of our five-year mission and okay. we're launching. I feel we're already on our mission. But maybe, maybe part of it is the um, the fact that it's the fact that it's the the pilot is really is really I guess what I'm getting at. It's the pilot, so we got to have something to start with. Yeah, but uh, it was the pilot episode, but it wasn't the first episode aired. It was the third. No. Ep- it was the third episode that actually got aired. They aired man. Man and yeah. then Charlie X mm-hmm. first, and so that's like it's like it's the pilot, but they didn't even they didn't even need to to show it first. <laughs> so what did you put down then? So the first episode on my list is the first episode proper when the show went into production. So you know they did the pilot uh, where no man has gone before, and then a year later when the show was picked up and finally in production, the very first episode that they ever filmed was The Corbomite Maneuver. And I love this episode, The Corbomite Maneuver. Um, if, if, it's not like, I love it. It's, it's in my top ten favorite episodes of Star Trek across all series. But if you were to ask me, like, what is Star Trek about? Like, what is the idea of Star Trek? Like, I'm going to put this episode right up there with any other episode, like The Corbomite Maneuver. Because, you know, we encounter an alien, we don't quite understand what it is, but our first instinct isn't to shoot it 
or, or to right. fight, right? I know we always like to think of James Kurt, Space Cowboy, like <laughs> get get into a fight and do some fisticuffs, but his he does everything he can to avoid a fight here. Mm-hmm. And then and then he tries to bluff his way out of it. He tries to use this ingenuity in, in his mind and and then at the end, we learned this alien wasn't hostile at all, but the alien just wanted to learn about people, and then they all get along at the end. And this is like the idea of what Star Trek is, and I just love this episode. Okay. And, I mean, since you're talking about Corbin Maneuver, that is on my list. Um, it's actually, I mean, I, I'm kind of going between chronological, not so much chronological, and, and like I was telling you before and whatnot, wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. But yeah, Corbin might is definitely on there. So, um, I think that the Corbomite maneuver also has like part of like Kirk's cowboy that kind of does come out, like just the way that he he's approaching the situation and um, like really his bluffing, like the way that he bluffs stuff and like what he's known for, like with his bluffing and like not showing all his cards. I think is is quintessential Kirk. Oh yeah, this is a great Kirk moment. Yeah, and, and I'm I'm surprised you put. I, I love the fact that you did put it on your list, but I feel like this is also one of those episodes that I often feel gets overlooked by people, and so I I, I needed to make sure I included it on this list. Yeah, yeah, it's it's good, and I, I think that this particular episode really um, like lays groundwork for future like future Kirk moments, especially like the ones that we say, see later on, like in the movies um, and, and beyond really like um, Wrath of Khan and um, maybe even like search for Spock, you know, like just like the bluffing and just like, like just, this is like a, a masterclass on, on how to do things Kirk style. Oh yeah. Yeah. But I also, I also, one thing I really love about the end of this episode is that you know, he's really hard on this this lieutenant. I think it's a lieutenant. It might be an ensign, but he's, he's at the navigator position, and I can't think of his name. But he's, like, really hard on him the whole episode. And then at the end, when they finally meet the alien, and they're trying to, like, um, say, hey, let's, let's learn from each other. And, um, and... He says, "Hey, Lieutenant, do you want to do you want to take on this role of like being our liaison with this alien?" And and he goes, "Yes, Captain, I'd love to do that." And, <laughs> and then the alien goes, "Also, I assume you're the best. You're the best of us." He's like, "No, I'm gonna make mistakes, but that's part of like what we're out here to try to do: make mistakes, but learn from them right. and move on." And I just love that message at the end of this episode. Yeah, I think another um, another. I don't know if it's it's necessarily straight up Kirk, um, or if it's just good Star Trek, or maybe they're like one and the same. But maybe um, uh, I don't know if this is on your list. But let that be your um, let 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 that be your last battlefield. Anyway, I love that episode. It's it, like I don't know how many you put like ten episodes or so on your list. This would probably be like number eleven or twelve on my list. Okay. Yeah, I love that episode too. Yeah, and I do only have have ten. Yeah, I only have ten. And this is not. I'm not counting this as like a top ten. Just me neither. So it, it is what it is. So, but you know, we've talked about both on the, this regular show, and we've also talked about in Engage about how progressive Star Trek is, and 
60s civil uh, civil war civil rights movement there we go i know history i don't know math but i know history and uh this was a very progressive thing like with with everything going on like trying to like with like desegregation and everything that was like pretty recent and like all the stuff going on with even uh, Martin Luther King Jr. at the time and just like getting people to think more about we're more alike than you think we are and and, and, the, and the fact that Kirk says to these people that look so much alike this will be your final battlefield it's like their differences is so small. It's like so minor. Like mm-hmm. one of them is black on one side and what, and like they talk about Kirk and Spock. They have this moment in that episode where they're like, you two are the same. And, and this guy's like, what are you talking about? We're not the same. Like mm-hmm. we're totally different. And like to, to our Federation people, they don't, we don't even see a difference. And like, that is like the future that Star Trek is trying to tell us is that we, we can see past these, these minor differences. Mm-hmm. So I, I see the, this as not only like that progressive way of thinking that Star Trek is known for, but also I see this as, I mean, even though Kirk is like the space cowboy, I mean, this is Kirk the diplomat. Yeah, and we don't often think of Kirk the diplomat. We always think of Picard the diplomat. Mm-hmm. But Kirk Kirk has a good di- diplomatic like eye and mind. Like, is, like he's, he's a better diplomat than you might think. Right, I mean, we're not, we're not going to see the same way of, of doing diplomacy like we would with any of the other captains that we've been acquainted with but to your point he does a great job and I think this is a shining example of of what makes him perhaps a really good diplomat just this one particular story so yeah, yeah. and talk about talk about jumping around yeah because <laughs> that episode is like in the middle of season three well there you go there you go <laughs> but okay so what, what else you got well, I, I guess if I if I stick in order, I'm gonna jump to probably what I think is the best episode of the original series, and that's Balance of Terror. Okay. Right. I mean, I know people have their opinions about what the best episodes are, and that can be very subjective. But Balance of Terror, it doesn't get much better than that for me. This is just an amazing episode of television. Okay. Yeah. So Balance of Terror was it was on the cusp of being on my list. But it, it's not on my list. Wow, I'm shocked. Like, that to me is shocking. I thought about it. Like, this is the best episode of the original series as far as I'm concerned. Just the tension that builds in these episode, in this episode where you you see Kirk and his, his Romulan counterpart, played by Mark Leonard, who mm-hmm. later go on to play Sarek. Mm-hmm. And you can see they're talking like they're one in the same. They're basically, they're like they even say he's my equal or he's my mirror image or and at the end they say in another life we would have been great friends and you can you can see this we've been talking about this like there's not much difference between us even though the Romulans are the bad guys here Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and the tension that builds in this episode when they have to both ships have to run silent because they don't want anyone to know they're there and they're all just being super quiet and then you also see like the xenophobia from the 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 navigator the rotating navigator position in this first season before <laughs> before checkoff comes in like he is like his parents or his grandparents fought in the the romulan war before and and when we finally see the romulans and they look basically like vulcans he's like why don't you ask mr spock what they're gonna do and <laughs> 
you, you see this the whole time from this one character, mm-hmm. and and we see that there aren't much differences between us, but we still have to we still have to strive to get over this bigotry and this xenophobia. Yeah. Like I said, I, I had seriously thought about it, and I think there's a lot of really good um, stories and moments, and I, it's having not done a full watch through I'm at a little bit more of a disadvantage uh, with some of the stuff compared to you that keeps a spreadsheet as you go <laughs> hey you know this is what I do I'm gonna ask you eventually to do some like statistics and charts for me like seriously like for this show oh well I mean I'm not a statistician I'm a mathematician but I'm not a statistician well I'm just gonna ask you to like, do like a pie chart or like a Okay. Or something for right. me. I can try. Okay. Um, all right. So just trucking right along. Um, I'm probably going to get a look on this one. That's okay. Actually, I'm probably going to get a look on the next two. Um, Arena. Oh, my God. That's the first episode I ever watched. Yeah. Yeah. And I picked this for um, a couple reasons. Um, Arena is for anyone that might not know which one this is this is the one where kirk fights a dinosaur okay a dinosaur in like a toga basically uh so i i like this because i think arena shows kirk's resourcefulness in combat for one um it shows his um not only his resourcefulness but it shows his quick thinking which could maybe be one and the same um depending on how you look at it it's got. A, I think it's got a lot of rewatch value for one. It's like one of the m- best, I think, episodes, like m- most well-regarded episode of the original series. And not only that, not just like for Kirk, but for William Shatner too, this was the episode that caused him to develop um, tinnitus or tinnitus or how do you pronounce the thing? Okay, the ringing in his ears. Yeah. Okay. Because of the blast that happened from like the cannons and the sound effects that they were doing, that's what caused him to to have that stuff so it had a lasting impact on him um so i think it's i think it's one of those just an episode that is worth knowing not just for for trek but for understanding william shatner a little bit more too but i also think think this is a really iconic episode has entered into the public mind because if you watch galaxy quest right the, mm-hmm. the Tim Allen Star Trek parody movie Galaxy Quest. They actually make a joke about this episode in Galaxy Quest, where um, Tim Allen is down on some planet and he's fighting like a rock creature. And I think they're up on the ship talking to him and they're like, Can you find some stuff to make an explosive device or make a projectile <laughs> weapon out of? Yeah. And so, like, that's how iconic this is. Like, in the, the Star Trek spoof movie, mm-hmm. this episode of all others made its way in there. Mm-hmm. I think that's cool. Which, by the way, we're going to totally do an episode on Galaxy Quest. Yeah, Galaxy Quest is fun. Yeah, I don't think I don't think you had seen Galaxy Quest, had you? I I saw it like when it came out, but I haven't like I I went back and I after you'd said that you wanted to do like a Star Trek parody, I I went and I watched it, but I hadn't seen it in you know since okay. since it came out like in the late nineties or whatever. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, late nineties, early two thousands for sure. So, just just out of curiosity, is Arena on your list? It is not. It's not? Okay. No. Okay. So, the next episode on my list, um, chronologically, um, 
it's, it's a good episode. It's it's a very famous episode. It, when you whenever you see like fan voted best of list, it always shows up in the top ten. Now it's a good episode. I don't think it's it's as good as its reputation, but it's definitely I think an essential Kirk moment, and that is space scene. Okay, so I I was okay. This is not on my list, but again, it was one of those like like split decision kind of ones. Yeah, uh, I think I think I I think it just has to be in the the the, def, the definite definitive Kirk moments, just because you know it introduces Khan mm-hmm. and the Wrath of Khan is often regarded as uh, you know the best Star Trek movie of all time and and Khan is often called the best Star Trek villain of all time. And we've had that discussion recently when we talked about Generations. Right. Right. Um, so I just, I think it is an, an essential Kirk moment here, right? Where we introduce Khan and we have, like, we have, first of all, we have a philosophical discussion of, like, superior ambition breed, no, superior ability breeds superior ambition versus, right. like, the normal man and, it's it's a good episode. It's a it's a really good episode. Tell it's it's not it's it's an overrated episode. But don't don't let me calling it overrated think I don't mean it's a good episode. Sure, sure. Um. Yeah, I'm also surprised it didn't make your list just because of the wrath of Khan. Well, and and I'm I have a reason for that later. Um, and whether it's a good excuse or not, I don't know. But I'm just gonna roll with it. All right. Um. But I I, I, ex- I half expected Space Seed to be on one of our lists, honestly, because for obvious reasons, for what you were just stating, um, and and for like what that means later on, of course, for um, Kirk and company um, that we see later on. Spoilers. Um, for mine, this is going to be kind of like way out of left field on this one, and. I don't know if this is more I just like the story and kind of what it does or if it is truly a Kirk thing, but Dagger of the Mind. Okay, all right. Um, I don't know why I like that one so much, but that I think that's one of my favorite TOS episodes to watch over and over again. It's creepy as heck. This is the first one we'll ever see the Spock mind melt, right? Mm, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the machinery that is supposed to, you know, totally screw with your your brain and your mind and, like, being um, easily suggestible and and things like that to do things. And um, I like what it... I don't know why I like what it does to Kirk, but it just, like, makes him a different person and just... I don't know. I, I think I just like the story. And it just like it makes me like Kirk more for some reason, and and that's that's all I got with Dagger of the Mind. Yeah, and and, and I think it's it's a good episode. They basically tried to almost redo it at in like season three with the the whom gods destroy, right? Mm-hmm. Because like essentially yeah. we're going down to like a, a rehabilit. It's not a prison. It's like a psychiatric facility. Yeah. Right, and this guy develops a technique to try and fix people, but it gets like corrupted by one of the. They're not prisoners, right? They're rehabilitation or psychiatric facility because we, Federation doesn't have prisons, right? We would try to reform people. And, and this is probably part of that social commentary of, like, you know, that we see here in Star Trek. It's, you know, saying something probably about about the prison system in the United States. 
Well, it's not just that, but like, I mean, think if you, and I have to think about this stuff with my profession, but I mean, you, you think about that time frame, like 50s, 60s, even going into the 70s with what, um, with what JFK had been doing. Um, JFK had essentially um, eliminated these psychiatric facilities. And he's like, because of because there's been stuff that hit close to home for him and he didn't want his loved one going into one of these psych facilities. So now it's essentially creating this community uh, mental health facility thing like we see now where we've taken um, people like with with um, a high um, high severity and now we're saying instead of you being in like a facility like this we're going to let you basically go to like agencies and we're going to let you go to private practices to get your your care and that is in my opinion what has caused such a a rise in homelessness like we've seen um i see i saw it all the freaking time living in dallas like homeless people everywhere i still i still see it here in fort worth too but that's when homelessness really went on the rise is when we when we basically decommissioned psych facilities. So I think to your point, like with Dagger of the Mind, whether that's the actual commentary that's taking place, I think that that stuff with what JFK had talked about earlier is what fed into, you know, what we're seeing now in 1966 and 67 when this is coming out. So, um, and, and it also has a... Um, a Macbeth connection, too. Okay. So I guess I didn't pick up on that. Yeah. Macbeth is not my favorite. My favorite. Me either. It's it's fun to know about, but it's not my favorite Shakespeare. Um, if I want to get into like some weird stuff um, when it comes to Shakespeare, I'm going to go with like probably Titus Andronicus. Oh. Yeah, that's. Some... I've always been partial to King Lear, but King Lear's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like the histories and stuff, like they can get a little meh. Um, like I remember watching, um, watching and reading Richard the Third, and I want, I'm not a big fan of Richard the Third. I don't think I've read that one or seen that one. It's meh. Yeah. All right, let's keep talking Trek. All right, so I um, mean, we're, we're still in season one here. Season one, like you know, you've heard me say, season one is the best season of the original series, and it might be the best season of Star Trek. Period. I know season six of Deep Space Nine is like way up there too, but. Um, this might be the next episode on your list, might not be, but uh, this is the episode I think that most people would, most people, what you see is the greatest episode of all time across all series, and that's The City on the Edge of Forever. That is my next one. Yeah, yeah. And and I would say, like, I have said that Balance of Terror, I think, is the best original series episode, but, like, City on the Edge of Forever is, like, right there. Mm-hmm. Like, this is just an amazing hour of television. And it's not... It's not so much a Kirk moment because I think I think Spock plays a big role in this. And if you're talking about definitive Spock moments, I think this episode also has to be on that list as well. And probably even on the definitive McCoy list as well. Absolutely. Right? And I think that's what makes this such a good episode is because it tells a great story from all of our three main characters. Yeah, and it's not it's not just limited not just one person gets to shine in this episode at all. And I think that uh, this is going to get wibbly wobbly because, I mean, Discovery has has come out, but depending on when you hear this, we've either discussed it or not discussed it already. But this has implications for Star Trek Discovery now too, and 
uh, I think just the larger like temporal stuff that we see for the most part um, in the re- in rest of Star Trek um, I I'm kind of laughing and kicking myself just a little bit because I was like yeah Eric what was the what was the one where they go back in time but they look like a bunch of schlubs and stuff and they're like hanging out doing this thing with this one chick and you're like you mean like sitting on the edge of forever like the greatest episode of Star Trek like ever I'm like yeah I guess that one <laughs> yeah, this this episode is just so iconic. Like I like you said, it's so iconic that that it has implications in Discovery. But there's also an, an animated series episode where it's I think it's like the highest rated animated series episode where they go back to the Guardian of the Edge of Forever as well. And it's just it's just a really iconic moment. And it's this idea of like, what are you willing to do to 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 save the future mm-hmm. in a certain sense? Like, would you be willing to let someone someone die if it means like protecting the future like is one person's life really worth the future there's like this big moral dilemma and i think it's pretty fantastic and i think that's like with what happens in in this with um help me is it judith or is it edith 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 okay um with that very idea of like what's going on with kirk and what's going on with edith and I think that is a moment that we don't know about the Kobayashi Maru at this point. We don't learn about the Kobayashi Maru until much later on in the movies. And also what happens in that movie. And I think this is the first Kobayashi Maru of sorts that he's probably really facing. Like without us even knowing what the Kobayashi Maru is, right? We, he's already he's uh, he, like he didn't even face the Kobayashi Maru really because he because spoiler he cheated. <gasps> yeah, he cheated. No, he he was accommodated because he redefined the parameters of the test. No, That's right. He cheated. <laughs> but I, I think I think if you're if you put yourself in Kirk's mind, he's he's now maybe going through that same situation. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're at the point where things are really starting, going to start getting really wonky and out there for us All right. in our discussion. All right. And you're going to give me looks. Okay, well, you're probably going to give me some looks too. Then. Okay, All this is going to be great. It's going to be great. Okay, so tapestry. Kidding. <laughs> no, no. It's not tapestry. Um, the motion picture. Okay. Jump, jump pretty far ahead. I did. Um... So I'm going with the motion picture because we, we, we've we seen, like, let me just make sure that people know what my list is because I've agreed here and there. But so far, like, what's been on my list has been Where No Man's Gone Before, Let That Be Your Last Battlefield, The Corbomite Maneuver, Arena, Dagger the Mind, and City on the Edge of Forever. So the those those six stories um, we've, we've already talked about. And in that discussion, we've talked about Kirk's resourcefulness, his bluffing, his diplomacy, um, his care for others, and him having to face no-win scenarios. But we're, we haven't really talked about his like other relationship, and that is the relationship he has with, you know, the big lady, the Enterprise. And motion picture, even though I'm not too crazy about it, it's growing on me the more I watch it. 
very slowly. Very, very slowly it's growing it, on me. It, it slowly, as slowly as the pace of this movie? Yeah, pretty much. Um, it's the most Star Trek of all the Star Trek movies, in my opinion. I would, I would agree with that, yeah. Um, and with this, we see Kirk now as an admiral in charge of um, operations. And we now have Captain William Decker, who's taken over um, the Enterprise. And Kirk is just annoyed as heck, doesn't want to be sitting behind a desk. He doesn't want to be flying a desk. He wants to be flying the Enterprise. And you see, like, that tension and the desires of Kirk and his desire to be back in the center seat. So I think that the, the motion picture really starts to shed light on his career. No, I would agree with that. And I think we even, we even talked about this a lot recently with uh, talking about Generations and talking about our episode 30 Days where we talked about punishment, where, like, you can tell that, like, Kirk really misses the Enterprise. Oh, yeah. And, like, people don't join, join Starfleet to be admirals. They join Starfleet to be captains. And, like, there's a certain prestige that comes with being a Starfleet captain and a certain excitement and, you know, that. And we, you know, James Kirk, space cowboy, right? He right. wants to be out there on the frontier and do all these things. And that got taken away from him. And he just jumps at the moment to get back in charge of this ship. He's like, nope, yeah. I'm, I'm doing it. It's me. This is my ship. Yeah. So, um, but just out of curiosity, I have three and a half left on my list. How many do you have left? I have six left on my list. Okay, let's let's hear two of yours then. Okay. Well, if if we if we tag along with this idea of the motion picture here, you know, some people make the joke is that like. Kirk is able to like talk a machine to death or talk a machine into self-destructing. And, and and like to a certain extent there is some of that in in the motion picture where he talk he's like able to talk down Beejer and 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 we talk about this this idea of the prestige that comes with being a starship captain. So so one episode that's on my list that I think is important is called The Ultimate Computer. Okay. It's from the end of season 2. And and basically here we meet Dr. Daystrom, right? We talk about the Daystrom Institute and he's come to Put a um, like a new a new advanced computer to take control of the starship, and and there's there's two things where I think this is important. One is because we talk about like um, uh, Kirk is able to talk down the M5 at the end because basically the M5 is malfunctioned and it's like it's fired on another Federation ship when it shouldn't have, and he's like, you committed murder and you can't do that, and he's able to like. And it's it's a joke, and they even they even make the joke about it in like the lower decks. This has become like an iconic thing mm-hmm. about like Kirk is able to talk a computer to death, and I think this is probably like the best moment where he's able to talk a computer to death. But I also think there's another moment in there where he has a conversation with Bones, and he's like, "Am I worried about losing my ship because the prestige that comes with being a starship captain? Am I am I like?" putting my own ego and my own self-interest in front of progress here and bones replies well if, if you have the insight enough to ask that question then you already know the answer to it and and i just think that's a great moment where like we always nobody thinks about kirk as being reflective and thinking inward but he really has a lot of these pearls here mm-hmm. so would that be i mean we were talking about like City on the Edge, you know, with that being kind of like a shining moment for the trio, 
Would that be another shining moment for that duo, though? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, I think, you know, Bones is, he's not, like, the ship's counselor, but he's definitely, like, he acts as, as James Kirk's personal counselor. Right. right? You know? Absolutely. And, and, and there's even, like, a point in this episode where he comes in to, like, Kirk's quarters and he's like, he's like, I've got a prescription for you. Or he's got food for him. He's like, he's like, I'm not hungry. He's like, well, this isn't food. It's like, it, it's drinks, you know. And like, <laughs> we're gonna have a drink here. <laughs> like, we're gonna toast Captain Dunsell. Oh man. Okay. Um. Uh, okay, so you said ultimate computer. Uh huh. And what else? Okay, so I'm gonna go with an episode here again from season two, and it's called Obsession. Okay. And this is an episode that. I really think it's overlooked by a lot of people. I, I feel like this you never see this episode um, uh, you know, in best of lists anywhere. But this is an amazing episode of television. And we you know, I know you love Star Trek First Contact. It's mm-hmm. like your best Picard moment. It's your it, it's your favorite moment. Right? And we think about like like the shine the shining moment from that film is where where Lily walks in on Picard and she's like, Captain Ahab has to go hunt his whale. And I think obsession is Kurt's Ahab moment for me. Okay. Right? Because we encounter this this cloud monster, right? Like before Lost did the smoke monster. Spoiler alert, sorry. <gasps> sorry. Um like Star Trek did this cloud monster. Yeah. And and we learned that eleven years ago this cloud monster killed half of the people on the Farragut, including the captain of the Farragut. Mm-hmm. And for 11 years, Kirk has blamed himself because he froze. He was a security officer, and he froze in a moment uh, when he when he should have fired, and, and he's blamed himself this whole time. And now 11 years later, we encounter this same thing again, and we've got Ensign Garavik, who is the, the son of Captain Garavik that died, and and Captain Gar- and Ensign Garvik here p- freezes in a moment mm-hmm. where, instead of firing on this cloud monster and causes some people to die. And at first, Kirk is really tough on him. But then I think Bones helps him work through, like, hey, you weren't really responsible for this, and you've got to go easy on this kid. And eventually, you know, Kirk comes around and realizes that, you know, he, he was wrong to blame himself, and he was wrong to come down so hard on this young Ensign. But, but I love this episode. It's Kirk's Ahab moment. And it's so good, and because Kirk, up until this is in the, like the middle of season two, up until now, we've seen Kirk basically be a perfect person, and and it's it's interesting to see this character flaw, this this obsessive nature, just because because basically the Enterprise is transporting medical supplies at this moment, and he's like delaying transporting these medical supplies because he's got to go on his Ahab hunt. Right. It's just, it's a great episode that that so many people overlook, and I really think it is a fantastic episode that deserves more love. I guess I I guess I'd forgotten about that episode. To to your point. Case in point. Case yep. in point. Yeah. All right. Again, I'm gonna probably keep getting looks from you, but that's okay. Um, the next on my list for for Kirk, I'm cheating. Okay. I'm, I'm changing changing the uh, the conditions of the test okay um and that is star trek two and three okay um i i'm cutting four off um 
because I don't really think four really shows uh, Kirk moment. Like, I, Lord of the Rings is one book with six volumes to it. Okay. Okay. And, um, and that's how I see the trilogy that we, you know, like, it's really the Spock trilogy. Let's just be honest. It's the Spock trilogy. But with with what we were talking about, like, you have Space Seed, obviously, that, like, lays the groundwork for Wrath of Khan. But Wrath of Khan isn't just talking about, you know, what we saw years ago in Space Seed. It's Kirk coming, having to come to terms, like, with his own mortality. Um maybe his own legacy in a way too um, and it also has to do with his friendship with Spock um, so I think that if we really want to not just understand and or start to understand or deepen our understanding of Kirk you know we need to look beyond like the command stuff that he's doing on the bridge and look at how does he turn inward like we were talking about like how does he turn inward and think about his own mortality like he can't get um, basically he can't get LASIK surgery basically um, so he has to get these glasses which is like showing his age even more um, and he hates that and uh, what's what's McCoy say he comes into his room and um, he's like he's like damn it Jim other yeah. people have birthdays why are we treating yours like a funeral <laughs> right um and then, of course, like the payoff at the very end of, of Rathacon with um, Spock dying. And then how that just a day or two later, based on like search for Spock, he like puts everything on the line. He puts his his ship. He puts his career. He puts everything on the line for someone that he cares about the most. And I think that's a really good thing to know and to, to focus on when it comes to developing and understanding and continuing to learn about, about Captain Kirk. You know, one of, the, one of the touching things about The Search for Spock as a movie, if you watch the opening credits, you know, it's always William Shat- starring William Shatner, Leonard Nimoy, and then DeForest Kelly. And so if you watch the opening credits of The Search for Spock, it says William Shatner, and then there's like a long break where there's nothing on screen, and then it says DeForest Kelly. Like, and it's like the same amount of time that normally passes between William Shatner and DeForest Kelly, but there's like a missing name in there. Mm. And I just think it, it's really subtle. I didn't, I didn't notice it. I had to like see it on a trivia thing. But it like next time you watch the search for Spock, like that's really cool. Go back and just listen. That's like that long pause where like there's okay. the missing Leonard Nimoy name in the opening credits. Okay, that's that's really, I've I've never noticed that before. Um, I mean, obviously, like you notice like that they do the playback from like the the flight recorder right like of him dying in engineering but um but yeah like i I really i really like it and like especially like at the end of search for spock where the crew know that they're like in some some very deep doo-doo with starfleet and they've put everything on the line on a gamble and and how else does that like really define kirk like everything that he does is like almost on a gamble I mean, he's he's a world class poker player as far as I'm concerned. Oh yeah, and he would he'd wipe the floor with the Enterprise D crew. <laughs> yes, <Yeah. laughs> but but it pays off. Like when they get back to to Vulcan and they're able to like do all the the the, the Vulcan stuff, you know, getting 
you know, Spock and, and Bones all put back together again. They put Humpty Dumpty back together. It was great. They did. And just the touching moment of your name is Jim. And, um, and, and the fact that um, Captain, that Admiral Kirk, that Kirk says, you know, the needs of the one out, um, outweigh the needs of the many. And, and I, I love that. I love that, too. Four, four is great. I mean, four is more of like a Spock movie where he's just coming to terms with who he is. And Spock, I mean, and then Kirk, you know, getting demoted to captain. Yeah, four is just fun, right? It's, it's just a it, fun. There's, there's nothing like, there's nothing really insightful about four. Right. I mean, I, I guess you're trying to make a, a, the point of like hunting is bad and killing other species is bad. But like people, I feel like people just gloss over that mm-hmm. and just enjoy the fun of, of Star Trek four. Right. He took. He did a little bit too much LDS. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, how, um, I think you have four left. Is that right? Yes. Okay. We'll just do two for you, one for me. Okay. So, lest anyone think I hate the mirror universe. You put mirror mirror. Didn't I you? put mirror mirror. Okay. Like I put mirror mirror because I hate the mirror universe. <laughs> But I don't really hate the Mirror Universe. I hate the Mirror Universe when it's the main plot line. Okay. Right? When that's what you're when you're telling a story that revolves around the Mirror Universe because it's supposed to be a diversion, not the main story. But I do think it is an important moment here in Star Trek where we introduce the Mirror Universe. Okay. And so it's a good ep- it's a really good episode. Like don't don't it's a really good episode of television and and you know, yeah, it is fun to see how how quickly Kirk is able to, you know, basically disguise himself in this world and how he's able to say, "Okay, I am not one of these people, but I can I can do enough to like bluff my way essentially right. and and fit in in this world." Whereas mm-hmm. like at the end, it's it's this funny moment where Kirk asks Spock when he gets back. He's like, "How did you know that they weren't they weren't us?" He's like, well, "It was very much easier for you to fit in as a barbarian over there than it was for the barbarian to fit in over here, <laughs> or something to that effect." Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. How'd you figure it out? Yeah. So it, it's a it's a good episode and it's an important moment in Star Trek, right? And and I don't hate the mirror universe. Like I do, but I don't. You're in a love-hate relationship. Right, with... I definitely am. <laughs> I think, um, for me, this one, and um, maybe this goes a little bit against what you're saying right now, but uh, this one and uh, In a Mirror Darkly, I think, are my two favorite yeah. Mirror Universe episodes that Star Trek has, has put out. Yeah, and, and the way they changed the opening credits in In a Mirror Darkly is really, really cool. Right. In a Mirror Darkly, for anyone wondering, it's um, Star Trek Enterprise's uh, take on, on the Mirror Universe, and uh, and it's cool. Yeah, it's cool. I like it's it. It's fun. Yeah. Um, okay, so Mirror Mirror. So you heard it here, folks. Eric does not hate it, but he doesn't love it. Right. When it comes to the Mirror Universe. So what, what else you got besides Mirror Mirror? All right, so we're going to move into Season 3 here, and I'm going to say the Enterprise incident. Okay. That's okay. a good one. It is... This is like space espionage at its finest. Yeah, man. And and this is like not just a definitive Kirk moment, but this will be a definitive Spock moment, I think, too, because it's like you see it's Kirk and Spock 
they've had this plan with Starfleet. I, I'm assuming they came up with the plan with Starfleet as well to like steal the Romulan cloaking device so mm-hmm. they can study it. And Kirk acts insane, and he he enters the neutral zone like without permission. And Spock like like seduces he he honeypots the if you will the the Romulan commander (laughs) because the Romulan commander is a woman and so like that's Spock's role to play in this espionage plot and then Kirk has to disguise him so he gets like surgery from bones so he looks like a Romulan so we can go onto the ship and steal the cloaking device it's it's so much fun and it's just this is like I feel like the only time Star Trek did like espionage in, Mm -hmm. in the original series what about um Maybe maybe it's a stretch, but what about um, Operation Earth? Is that what it was called? It was the backdoor Ass- pilot assignment Earth? Assignment Earth. I'm sorry. Yeah. 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 But but I guess but that doesn't really focus on 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 Kirk. That's it does not. It was it was meant to be a pilot episode, right? We talked about backdoor pilots. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was meant to be a backdoor pilot for a show called Assignment Earth, which yeah. which never got picked up, which would have been really interesting. I, I don't like that episode. Oh, you don't? No. Huh. No. It's just... Uh... Well, it's interesting, because we, we had, like, I don't know, a while ago, we had talked about, like, the book series, like, that kind of picks up that story. We, yeah. I liked the book, but I didn't like this episode. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, to be fair. You didn't like Assignment Earth, but you liked the Enterprise incident. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Figure that one out. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. All right. Um, Eric, what do you think I'm going to say next? We've been doing a lot of movies. Like you did the motion picture, Wrath of Khan, Search for Spock. Yeah, I feel like you're out of episodes. So I think you're gonna say Star Trek Six. I am. Okay. Yeah, I am. Because I, I said we're gonna talk about stories, right? Right. Stories of Kirk, and and I think like we we have like so much of them, and Undiscovered Country is him coming to grips with his own prejudice, and like getting over himself and the pain that he experienced from the murder of his son. Spoilers, by the way. His son's kind of dead. He had a son, by the way. Spoilers. And he's dead now. He had a son that he didn't know about. Oh, he did know about him, but he was just told to stay away, right? Is that what it was? That's a good question. It is a good question. And I should know that. I'm the guy that you normally ask answer this question I think I don't think actually no I don't think he knew no 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 scratch that I think he knew that Carol had a son but he never knew he never knew that it was his son that it was his son Mm -hmm. that she got preggers off screen but, um, but yeah I think that's what it was Anyway. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, I love Star Trek VI, right? Yeah, you yeah. do. Like, what do you love Star Trek VI? I do. Yeah, it's a really good movie. I do. Mm-hmm. I love the heck out of it, and um, I, I think that's one. I I don't know. It's it's definitely in my top five. Might be in my top three. Favorite or best? Uh, yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, me too. Right. It's number one for both of those lists for me. Favorite and best. Okay. For the movies. And and I'm changing things up on the fly because um, I've got two episodes left on my list, but 
one of them I'm going to kind of change up because I want to include Star Trek VI. Okay. But I don't want to sure. talk about it just alone because you talked about Star Trek Two and Three together as one. I did. So I'm going to put um, Errand of Mercy together with Star Trek VI. Man, look what you just did. And make that one thing. Look what you did. You know? Man, come on now. Okay. So Errand of Mercy is, is I was I wanted to end with it. I, I mean, I wanted to end with this kind of... This is the first time we'll ever meet a Klingon. And uh, we meet the Klingon Corps, who comes back as one of the Dahar Masters, and mm-hmm. then later in Deep Space Nine. That goes off on adventures with Jadzia and Worf. He's really fun when he's old and senile. <laughs> but um, so we come to this planet, Organia, and uh, the Klingons want to take it over and annex it, but then Kirk wants to go in and help, but the Organians don't want any help, and Kirk doesn't understand why. He's like, why don't you want our help? Why won't you fight? And at the end, we learn like that the Organians don't really need their help because they're like they don't really, they don't need our help basically, right? I won't, I don't want to spoil the episode if you haven't seen it, but right, the Organians don't need our help. And uh, at the end, um, Kirk is like sitting in his captain's chair and he's he's like he's like got his head in his hand, he's, he's got his tail tucked between his legs, and and Spock comes over, and he's like, Captain, what's wrong? He's like, ah just mad at myself I was like, what for? he's like I'm mad the Organians stopped a war that I didn't even want to have happen and it's like this really again this poignant moment of him thinking inward and this is I wanted to highlight these moments on this list of, of Kirk thinking inward and I think that that plays plays a role in Star Trek 6 as well because we see that he was yeah. so quick to jump and, and want to fight the Klingons because they were like they were like the ultimate bad guy TOS era, and now here everything culminates. Like this is mm-hmm. the Star Trek Six is the culmination of Kirk's entire journey, mm-hmm. and it culminates in such a poignant way where they have this this dinner with the Klingon Chancellor and all of, and it's like talk about awkward Thanksgiving dinners, right? Neither side really um, conducts themselves in a great manner. No, and Kirk even mentions that at the end. <laughs> right. Yeah. And talk about Shakespeare, right? We need breathing room. Earth, Hitler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh. it's, it, You've never heard Shakespeare and yeah, in the original Klingon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's, and then he's like, Klingons killed my son. I'll, I'll never forgive them for what they did for doing that. And I just think, and I want to put these two episodes together because I originally wasn't going to put Star Trek 6. I was just going to put Aaron to Mercy. But I think... If you if you think about that, the first time he ever meets a Klingon, or the first time not he meets a Klingon, the first sure. time we as the audience meet the Klingons, we know that he's had encounters with them before. Mm-hmm. And then the last time we see him interacting with the Klingons, I think it's the payout of this. This is a season one episode. This would have been 1967, 68, mm-hmm. and and then the movie was 91 or 92. 91. Okay, so here here we're thinking you know 23, 24 years, mm-hmm. right? our time mm-hmm. getting that great payoff. There's a quote that I'm trying to think of, so I'm, I'm here I am asking you for the quote because it's Undiscovered Country. Um, but Kirk is talking about, or maybe it's, if it's not Kirk, it's uh, the Klingon Chancellor that's saying um, the Undiscovered Country, it's going to, um, the people currently living in it, it's going to be the, the most difficult for them than for those in the future. Um, Sounds familiar. Oh my gosh. 
drive me nuts. Whoever's yelling at me right now, I'm sorry. Um, I'll eventually find it and maybe blurt it out. So, did we come to the end of your list then? No, I have one more. Do you have any more? I have one more. I'm okay. probably going to be predictable on this one. Okay. Generations. Okay. Alright, so you really went and avoided the show altogether and just said, let's do the movies. No, no, no. No, no, no. I, I, did, I did half. I did half and half. In fact, I did... I did more. I did more than half uh, did, on my list. Star Trek One, Star Trek Two and Three, Star Trek Six, and then Star Trek Generations. Okay, did four. I did about half and half. Okay, all right. So and then avoid it altogether. Okay, all right. Dad gum, man. You're fired. Go home. Okay, all right. Go to San Antonio. All right. <laughs> okay, what'd you got? Uh, yeah, we already talked about generations. Yes, we did. We go did. back and talk about that. We we don't go back and listen. Yeah, we did an entire episode on that, but yeah. I think this is like the ulti- the payoff on like legacy, and I, and I talked about legacy in that episode. But you know, the fact that legacy is an important part as you get older, and the fact that again, this is coming to get like bringing his resourcefulness, it's bringing his gambles, it's bringing all the things together in this culminating moment for him. Um, and yes, it is the the next gen handoff. But like what the first, what, 15, 20 minutes and then the last 20, 30 minutes, it's it's TOS with a little Picard sprinkled in. But anyway, I think I think that this is the icing on the cake. And I don't think you can talk about it personally. I don't think you can talk about Kirk without talking about how Kirk ends in, from a narrative standpoint. Right. Sure. So. Okay, so we go from that one more episode on my list, and this is this is you know a hard left turn. Um, Full stop. Yeah, pretty much, and and we go from a serious moment to a not so serious moment, and I know it's not going to be what you think. Do you have any idea of what what the episode that I might have left is? It's not um, Apollo's children, is it? No. No. Plato's stepchildren. Plato. God. There's Apollo and there, there's there, Plato. Yeah, but the Apollo episode is called Who Mourns for Adonis. There's just too many Greek gods. There are too many Greek gods. That show up in, and, in TOS. There, there's no way you can guess what this last episode on my list is. And and there's a reason why I put this episode on my list. And it's then not there's the cage, a, is it? A, no. And there's another reason why I put this episode on my list. So we know of, of James T. Kirk, Space Cowboy, right? We do. But what is one of the other big, like... Um, pop culture things that he's a ladies man he's a ladies man right? hardcore hardcore ladies man and so i i felt like it was necessary to put a ladies man moment on my list and i know it's a big hard turn from sure from the culmination of his legacy to you know james kirk intergalactic ladies man he make he makes uh rikers work you know look like child's play yeah yeah and so like the, this is one episode reason why i chose this episode and there's another reason why i chose it and this is Wink of an Eye from season three. Okay. Okay. So the premise of this episode is they get called to a planet and they get a distress call and there's nobody down on the planet. And then like they hear this buzzing noise and then like one of the crewmen just all of a sudden blinks out of existence. And then later on, James Kirk blinks out of existence and he learns that these people on this planet like move super fast. So you can't even see them. And that's what this buzzing noise is. And like... They're, they're taking the ship because they, like, nobody on their planet can have kids, and so they're going to take the people on the ship to have kids, what, whatever that's the situation. 
but but this woman wants Kirk to like help her like have kids and he eventually like seduces her and like and draws her over to his side being this this, this ladies man that he is and I, I think this is probably like the biggest moment of him being a, la- a ladies man but but there's one moment where where she even says this and she's like I know why you're not with anybody it's because you're married to your ship isn't it like <laughs> and it's, I, I think that's like, you know we've talked about that like like his relationship yeah. with the ship but she even mentions that but then also um there's this moment even even other than that like yes i chose this episode because kirk delays man but i also chose it because even after kirk learns like what they want to do he's still willing to say let us help you let the federation help you we can come up with some way in which we can try to work and solve your problem let us be friends even after they've taken his ship and mm-hmm. he knows what he's going to do to his crew, mm-hmm. he's still, he's, he doesn't want to fight in that. It's, that's not his first reaction. And everyone always thinks his first reaction is to fight, but that is just not true. And I right. think this episode really does showcase that. Okay. And, and like I said, this is another one I picked, like, I picked some episodes here, uh, you know, Obsession and might maneuver because I think those are underrated episodes that need more look and I definitely think wink of an eye is an episode that needs more attention drawn to it I'm at, you know part of me is really glad that neither one of us put man trap on there why would we I don't know but it, well I think partly because it's just so popular is it I've never heard that I mean between Arena and Man Trap, those are like the two that I think are probably one of the more popular ones in pop culture. Um, I mean, like you see, you see like the the Salt Monster, yeah. like in pictures all over the place. Okay. So I'm just I'm just glad that we didn't. I'm glad that neither one of us picked uh, a piece of the action or Trouble with Triples. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Like, no. Those are fun. Those but are fun. Like, you know. There's there's no need. There's there's no need to talk about Trouble with Triples at all. No. No, it's fun, but let's let's move on. Right. Um What was the other one? Um No, that's a spot one. Anyway, I think the when we put it all together, you know, whether we agree or disagree or like in our approaches, I think this is a really good list. I mean, there's a lot of overlap. We both had Corp Maneuver and City on the Edge of Forever, and then Star Trek Six, right? Was that it? Really? It? That was it. I, think. I thought you had Arena on yours too. No, I didn't have, have Arena on mine. Okay. Well, tell you what, we'll we'll morph it all together. We'll put it like in a chronological viewing order. Sure. And uh, we can post that. And if you if you want like if you want to see like Kirk at his best, like the best qualities of Kirk, so to speak, um, you know, this would be a great potentially a great viewing order uh, to check out, I think. And, of course, there's other stuff that... I mean, this is very, very subjective. Right. Very subjective. No, this is this is the absolute list, right? No subjection. <laughs> You're right. You're right, Eric. Right, this is perfect. This is pure. <laughs> so, I don't know um, what what y'all thought uh, with with this list and, you know, did we miss some? There's, there's one. I don't know if it's like necessarily like pure Kirk, but uh, what are little girls made of? 
Okay. I like that. I like okay. that. That's yeah. a good episode. That's a, that's a good Christine Chap- Nurse Chapel episode, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Make good old Major Barrett Rodberry. There we go. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Um, that's, that's a fun one. I mean, that that's kind of there with Dagger of the Mind for me. I mean, there's some other fun ones. Like, I, uh, by any other name, talk about Shakespeare, right, is a good is a good episode. That's that's the one. It's iconic for being the Scotty. It's, it's green. Mm-hmm. But I think that there's some good Kurt moments in there that that almost made my list. Um. Oh, what was it? Um, it's not a taste of Armageddon, but it's the basically the Armageddon device, though. Um, oh, the big giant ship that's wanting to destroy everything. Yeah, yeah. What is it called? I should know this. Um, the Doomsday Machine. Yeah, Doomsday. Yeah, where and that's that's actually we talk about Captain Decker from from Star Trek Motion Picture. That is Commodore Decker. It's his dad mm-hmm. who takes over the ship. Um, because he originally was on the um, was it the USS was it the USS Constitution? It was the sister ship of the Enterprise, right? Yeah, I think it was the Constitution, the Constitution class yeah. ship, and it was the had the name Constitution. Yeah. Anyway. So yeah, like that's a fun one. And for anyone that plays Star Trek Online, the Doomsday Machine appears a lot in Star Trek Online. Um, probably more than should, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I know I get blown to smithereens every time I try and take it on with like a fleet of, of other ships. Like well, I mean, it, it's a planet killer. It was the planet killer yes. before the Death Star. Yeah. They, they took a page from us, dadgummit. They did. They took a lot of pages from us. Like, they took a book from us. Well, I mean, I mean, both, both took from the other. Yeah. Let's be honest here. I mean, we inspired Star Wars. Star Wars inspired us. If you had a whole episode about that way back in the day. Yeah, it was called Trek Wars. Yeah. Great. With our good friend David. By the way, David, you're doing a good job. Sorry that we missed you this time. Uh, anyway, all right. And if you do want to check out David and his podcast, it's the Contingency Plan Podcast, TC Plan Podcast on Twitter. Make sure you check it out. Um, so I think that's I think that's it. Any other thoughts um, that you have, Eric? No, I just I just I love James Kirk, right? You know, I love I love John Lee Picard. I love. Um, ben, Benjamin Sisko, I love Captain Janeway, yeah, Catherine Janeway. I love all of these captains, mm-hmm. but I love them all for different reasons. And I think, I think what you see is all of these characters are very different from each other. Mm-hmm. They're all great captains in their own way, and and one's not better than the other. Like I'm not gonna rank who's the best captain. We're gonna do that eventually, right? I'm not gonna. I won't. Right? <laughs> okay, because I, I just, James Kirk is such a different character than all of these other captains, yeah. and and. Yes, he is a space cowboy. Yes, he does love to fight. Yes, he does love to bluff his way out of it. But if I hope I've hammered nothing else in, like, he is a lot more of a thinking man than I think a lot of people give him credit for. Sure. And this is kind of on the fly, but maybe, maybe this would be just a quick question that we could answer. Um, I know that when we were doing Picard Engage episodes, like we were talking about, like, it made more sense... Like with with Picard, he had like the Borg is like, like his big bad essentially, like the thorn in his side. And whenever he actually saw them as victims, right? As he saw, he finally saw their humanity, so to speak. So I mean, with I think with Kirk, it was certainly the Klingons. Uh, with Picard, it was the Borg. I'd argue it would be the Borg, but. What do you, just real quick, what do you think the other captains 
would be like with with Cisco, Janeway, Archer, and I don't know if we have enough with um, Discovery yet to be able to make a determination. Well, so as like their big bad guy, if they eventually came around in and saw them, in perhaps. A light, yeah. Well, I mean, I think with Cisco, it has to be it has to be the Cardassians, right? I don't know. Gold Dukat. Well, I mean, no, no. Like, <laughs> he, I don't think he ever came around to see Gold no, Dukat. He did in, not in the great in a great light. Um, especially how it ends with the two of them. The They're great, just wrestling. The greatest Star Trek episode of all time. They're just wrestling. They're having a good time. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I think it would have to be, you know, the Cardassians, how how you see at the end um, when he, Admiral Ross, and General and Chancellor Martok, not General Martok at the mm-hmm. end, um, they're, they're on Cardassia at the end of the war, and he says, you know, like, forgive me if I don't drink over, over the dead bodies and the, and the dead roots. So I would think it would have to be yeah. that for, for Captain Cisco. Okay. And I think for Captain Janeway, maybe it's the Borg as well? I Like, for me, it's like, I think it's a toss-up between them and the Kazon. Yeah, but the K, they left the Kazon behind after season two. They had, the show had to. We, I, we talked about Voyager. The mm-hmm. show had to leave the Kazon behind, right? Because we're traveling... The Delta Quadrant, mm-hmm. but yeah, there might be some moments where she came to see the Kazon in a better light. But their last re- interaction with them was not in a positive light. No, no, no. no. And I think I think it it was um, not not the Kazon, but with the Borg, like maybe more the humanity and like seeing them as again they're impacted, they're being negatively impacted by this other species that they're terrified of. Yeah, and and I think that. That's what brought brought things maybe full circle for her, being able to see the board in a different yeah, light. Yeah, but then I also think, you know, when, when they take on the children, you know, Egypt, and she kind of wants to mentor Egypt, and, you know, and the, the two twins, I always forget the twins' names, but then there's the little, there's the other girl, the Mazad, Mazadi, and then, you know, there's the Unimatrix Zero storyline, which I'm not particularly fond of, but there's a lot of moments, I think, where, where Voyager kind of shows the the humanity of mm-hmm. who the Borg are underneath as well. For Archer, again, it's either, for me, it's either the Zindi or the Vulcans themselves. I think it's more Vulcans than it is Zindi. Yeah, I can see that because he's really, he's really not in a good place with the Vulcans at, at all. the very beginning at all. Which is kind of weird to think of Vulcans as bad guys. I don't, they're not bad guys. They're, they're, just, they're just in his way, I think, mm-hmm. is, is a better way to put it than bad guys. Mm-hmm. And like with with and, Paul and everything, and, and I guess Archer always had the resentment that like the Vulcans held back his father, and his father died before he ever got to see his ship and his engine built. Right. Yeah. And I don't think we know enough about lower decks or Discovery yet to be able to make a determination. Well, I mean, Discovery doesn't have a captain. Like not like yeah. a permanent captain. No, we'll see. Season four, we could have a different captain. Yeah, yeah that might be Discovery shtick. Is ever Rotating captains. Gosh. All right. Well, we're we're at the end. Thanks for entertaining that little little thought exercise for a second. Um, hope you guys have enjoyed this episode as we've just meandered through a bunch of different episodes. And we'll post this in the group um, probably in the next couple days. Give you all a chance to actually listen to this so we don't spoil our own episode, so to speak. So, um, hope you guys are all doing well. 
Um, it's been a pleasure to actually sit across the table instead of sitting across an internet connection with Eric today. Yeah. It's different. It's different, yeah. Not bad different. No, different. Just different. Um, so anyways, um, hope you guys have enjoyed this episode. And um, if you like what you heard, uh, make sure you tell a friend about it. Uh, make sure that you you know give us a like and a follow on whatever it is that you, you listen to us on, whether that's Spotify, Podbean, you know, Apple Podcasts, um, Stitcher. I mean, we're on all the all the places and stuff. And, you know, that's one way that you can support our show is just telling people about it, leaving us a comment. Um, if you don't leave us a comment, we don't know how we're doing. Uh, if you don't leave us a review, we have no idea what we're doing. We're just trucking right along, so to speak. So make sure you do that. That's, that's one way you can support the show. And if you also want to help us keep the lights on and keep producing content, um, you can do that on, on Patreon. Look up These Are the Voyages um, on Patreon, and we're there. You can support us there too. Um, if you want to get in contact with us, you can do that by going to trtvpod.com and check out our Hailing Frequencies page. Um, and we are on all the socials at trtvpod. And um, you can also send us an email to trtvpod at gmail.com. You can, and um, if you want to send us a voicemail, you know, a little voice only transmission, you can do that by entering coordinates to. 817-752-4757. You can also email us to, at trtvpod at gmail.com. And finally, if you want to write us, you know, send us something cool. Eric loves pudding. There's pudding under the Christmas tree for him right now. And there's, there's literally pudding under the Christmas tree for Eric right now. Um, so if you want to send Eric more pudding, uh, you can do that. Uh, I'll get it to him eventually. Uh, make sure he gets to the Lone Star Station, P.O. Box 2455. Azel, Texas, 76098. Uh, all y'all listening, thank you once again. And as we leave here today, may you always remember to boldly go and make it so.